0: Of course, the Brewers won today. Of course, they did. Of course, Mike Brasso hit a grand slam. Of course, it went down like that. Here's, here's always what happens with Brewers day games. You know, I watch last night's game or I watch the night game. And I organize my thoughts. I say, okay, here's what I want to say on the show tomorrow. Great, got it lined up. And then the game the next day goes the opposite way. If I'm excited about the Brewers, then they end up losing in the day game. If I'm peeved at the Brewers, then, of course, they win and make me sound dumb. Uh, yeah, Brewers winning 6 to nothing today. Mike Brasso hitting a Grand Slam. David Stern's having an uh, I-told-you-so moment. He's like, oh, you guys didn't like the moves I made this year? Huh? You didn't like the offseason that, that I had for this team? Well, remember when I signed Mike Brasso and you all laughed at me? You laughing now? Uh, I am. <laughs> I am still laughing. Because this Brewers team probably isn't going to make the playoffs. So I am still laughing. But good for David Stearns to have a little bit of a victory lap. One of his additions this year. Making an impact. I do enjoy watching Willie Adamas. I was watching last night at a bar. I met with some friends. We were just watching the Brewer game. Split a pizza. We were getting drunk. I know I was at a bar. I said I was at a bar on Monday night, too. It's not. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not uh, not becoming a, one of those guys who just goes to the bar every night. It's not me. We were just eating a pizza, watching the Brewers. I said, man, I like watching Willie Adamas right now. Good for Willie Adamus. The Brewers front office might be doing their darnest to keep this team from making the playoffs. But Willie Adamas did not hear a bell. He didn't hear a whistle. He's having an awesome month of September. And I'm really enjoying watching him. It's been really fun to watch Willie. I don't know if it's going to mean anything. Probably drive his price up. Brewers are going to have to pay more for him. <laughs> Which is funny. But it might not end up mattering this year. But Willie Adamas had another homer today racking up RBIs, racking up hits. His average is great this month. He's spraying the ball all over the place. So I do enjoy watching Willie Adamas. That was a nice part today, and I guess Mike Brasso had his moment as well, pinch hitting for to Les. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The show tonight may be short, ladies and gentlemen, but hear me when I say, I think this is going to be one of the best shows that we've had in a while for a couple of different reasons. Coming up at 5, I might turn the phone off. I wish you to grant me 12 unadulterated minutes to to absolutely rip the Brewers a new one. <laughs> and I know it's football season and yes, we're going to talk more about football, but at 5. Just for 10 or 12 minutes at the very top of the hour. I wish you grant me just a few minutes uninterrupted, unadulterated to undress the Brewers organization top to bottom because last night's game woke something up in me. Last night's game struck a nerve, not just with the players and the wins and the losses, but the way this season has been handled from all the way at the top, ownership to the office of baseball operations to the business and marketing. The Brewers have done such a poor job this year in every facet of being a professional sports franchise. And I'm angry about it. And at five o'clock, I want to talk about it for just a couple of minutes. So I'm excited to go on a little bit of a rant with you. I also want to preview Bucks packers Yes, I have some sound bites from Matt LaFleur that are very interesting about the way they're preparing and the way they're preparing, especially now that Mike Evans is out. The suspension was upheld earlier today, so we know for sure that Mike Evans isn't going to play. The Bucks are banged up. They're getting a wounded team on Sunday. They're missing a lot of guys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are missing a lot of guys. So I want to preview that game a little bit. And at 5.30, I'm so amped. We have Danny Heifetz from The Ringer. He's one of my favorite people in sports media. His podcasting is tremendous. And if you need more NFL content in your life, I highly recommend you listen to his podcast. It's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I don't even like fantasy that much. I have one team and it's just kind of for fun. I don't get that into it, but I love his podcast. It's Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Horbeck. And it's just, it's fantastic. It's it's an awesome podcast. They talk about all the teams, all the games, all the players. And yes, it is through a lens of fantasy football, but it's just so good. So Danny, who worked in the front office of the Washington football team back in the day and has covered this league for a while now, I talked to him earlier today. I recorded that conversation, and I'm going to play it for you. We talked a lot of Packers. That's coming up at 530. We get him once or twice a year, and I always really look forward to it. So Danny Heifetz is coming up later on in the show as well. 608-796-2558. I want to get into the Packers, but I suppose before we do, we should, we should, uh, you should revel in today's Brewer game just for a couple of minutes, don't you think? So I have a couple of highlights saved. Uh, the game started with Willie Adamas leading the scoring. He hit a home run. Now, he's having a tremendous month of September, and it was just an awesome, awesome play. Uh, and I have the highlight here somewhere. Hold on. I got to gotta get it. I got to get it up. You can tell I'm not totally prepared today. So here is Willie Adamas. Hitting a home run to give the Brewers a lead today. What a month of September for Willie.
1: Words are spells. Uh, and oh, they shoot. are spelled a certain way or pronounced a certain uh, way. And right. there is power oh, no. in the specific word. So you just
0: use the word drug, right? That, that, that's on me. Hold on. No, that's not that. Oh, no. To create a bias against Oh, no. Okay. Things. So uh, I guess I don't have Willie's home run. Uh, I'm sorry about that. You know, I was, I was in a... In a hurry to get the show ready right as the Brewer game is ending. So I guess I thought I had Willie's home run. I guess I don't. But I know I have Mike Brasso's grand slam. What a moment. What a moment. Pinch hitting Mike Brasso comes in for Rowdy Tellez. Somebody you can hit lefties. And then the Mets counter. They switch pitchers. Little managerial chess between Showalter and Council. Just two titans of baseball managers. So they stick with Brasso despite the, the pitching switch up and Mike Brasso makes him pay. Here's the highlight. This is how words are used in our society oh, to create a bias against certain things. Okay. So I guess I don't have the highlights. Sorry about that. Derek texts in, says, Grant, I'm sorry to say, counsel out. He needs to take these analytics and shove them up his butt. Okay. What, what analytics are we, what analytics are we talking about? We can't just blindly blame analytics for every failure. I'm assuming you're talking about last night with the pitching changes and this and that. By the way, Derek, excuse your language. No, I will not say that on air. Don't worry about it. Um, Derek, Craig Council defied the analytics today. He brought in Rowdy Tellez, or or substituted out Rowdy Tellez rather, and brought in Mike Brasso to face the lefty, and then the Mets changed it up on him, and Council stuck with Brasso anyways. So that was against analytics. Not every move made all the time by Craig Counsel is based in analytics. Now, just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean it was the wrong thing to do. It doesn't mean that it was analytics. I think managers manage on gut feeling a lot more than we give them credit for. We just assume the numbers are behind anything. The numbers do, you know, typically lead us in the right direction, everybody, too. Like, oh, the analytics are so stupid. Well, you know, if you're playing the odds and you're playing the statistics, baseball's 162 games, right? So chances are over an entire season... If you follow the probabilities and you follow and, and make the correct decisions based on probabilities, it's probably going to work out more often than not. Let's see here. Hector in Alaska. Good thing they saved all that money trading Hater so they can keep Adamus. Yeah, we'll see. God, he's having an awesome month. I've had so much fun watching Willie Adamas this month, and I know some of you are just out on the Brewers, and I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. But Willie Adamus is 31st home run today and he's having just an incredible month of September. I wish I had some stats to really back it up. I guess I could go ESPN Adamus because I can get the month-by-month breakdown. If we just look at his September numbers, go to the game log, scroll down. You can go look at this too if you'd like. So I'm looking at his September games. In 76 at-bats, he has 24 hits, nine doubles, four home runs, 17 RBIs, nine walks, He's been hit by pitches zero times in case you're wondering. Anyways, this month he's hitting 316 for a guy that really didn't hit for average at all this year. He's also stolen two bases for what it's worth. He's had an awesome month. And despite the best efforts of the Brewers front office to kind of shoot this team in the foot, Willie Adamas is doing his best to power them to the playoffs. Here's a, a cut that I have for sure. Willie Adamas after the game asked about what it means to play meaningful baseball in September. Here's Willie Adams, the Brewers shortstop. Think
1: about the word uh, fat uh, and sugar when it comes to food,
0: right? Okay. Fat, you know, uh... so never mind. Thank you for the thank you for the texts. <laughs> Adam on I90 says they went 3 and 3 against two of the biggest powerhouses on each side of the league. Yeah. I I know they went 500 against the Yankees and the Mets. Here's the thing, though. We've been saying this for months. Well, they went 500 against the Dodgers. You know, okay, you can go 500 against a really good team. Can you take care of business against the Reds or the Pirates or the Cubs? No, they haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to take care of business when they needed to. Yeah, they've done okay against the league's best of the best. But doing okay and going 500 against really good teams, it's not going to get you anywhere. Right, their record has been slowly getting closer and closer to five hundred for the last two months. Let's talk to Hector in Alaska before we take our first break. 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector?
2: My goodness, Grant. You're you're in shambles today. Every single time you want to talk about somebody else, you want to talk about Rodgers. <laughs> well,
0: these sound bites make, make me laugh. I, just, I like pulling them out because they're just so random. <laughs> 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 Well, I agree
2: with you on Adonis, man. It's been something, especially this, these last two or three series. I, when you were pulling up the numbers and you said in seventy-seven at bats, only twenty-four hits. At the beginning of the of September, he was kind of cold, but he's really been heating up. And I think it brings something more to the clubhouse, like that—that that fire that I felt die when they gave, when they literally gave Hader away. Yeah, I, I kind of feel a spark coming back, and Adamus is that guy that's that's leading it. I also think Garrett Mitchell is helping out with that too, and it's not really him putting the ball into play, but when he does that hustle, he has man that that fires me up just watching him. He put that button down, and he just about made it.
0: Yeah,
2: to to first base earlier today. So to those that are have already checked out on the Brewers, give them a little bit of time. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs,
0: but I'm hoping so. No, that, also, I mean this team's not making the playoffs. But we we can still talk about them because they're interesting. I like Willie Adamas, and he's having a heck of a month. This team's not going to make the playoffs. I'm pretty confident in, that, but that's fine, Hector. What were you going to say next? I cut you off. You have you have you listened to the Dan Patrick Show? Uh, I listen from time to time. Normally, I'm running errands in the morning. I'm listening to podcasts or whatever. But I like the Dan Patrick Show. Gotcha. They have, they have a
2: pie-to-the-face bet that, that they do. That's their thing, pie-to-the-face. Yeah. And I'll do a pie-to-the-face bet that, that the Brewers make the playoffs with you. Okay. Uh, because I think they will.
0: I mean, I, I don't want to throw a pie in your face, Hector, but I, I guess I will if I have to. This team's not making the playoffs. Um, I, I just okay. I, Yeah. Well, let's do a bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Text me the details. Yeah, let's do it. I'm also, very
2: ter- I'm also very terrible at bets just to give you a little bit of life. Um, last year in my fantasy football league, I took so many money bets and lost that this year, out of my ten players who or out of my ten people that pay a hundred bucks to get in, I had to pay four hundred and seventy five dollars of buy in. Ooh, ooh! So oh I'm God. not the best at betting, but I got a gut <laughs> feeling about them. I mean, it's not going to be pretty getting into the playoffs, but I think they'll do it.
0: No, they'll let so, in.
2: Too many teams. I know you. Playhouse. I know you have to get. Yeah, I know you have to get to a break, but I did want to say one thing. I I have I watched a, a Packer game, of course, on on um, Friday or <laughs> on Sunday night. Sorry, long day. And, You're all good. Um, I have a good feeling about that game compared to the first one, and the fact that Rogers and them have established the run so much, I think it's going to bust it open for them to be able to throw the ball more, so I think this upcoming game on Sunday, I, Rogers is probably going to throw for about 250 to 100 yards.
0: Well, I'd be happy. We can talk about that coming up next. I want to talk about that Tampa game, and because the game started out or the, the show started out so weird today, I do have to take a break, Hector. I appreciate the call. Let's talk about that Tampa Bay game. I'm feeling optimistic as well. We better feel optimistic because the Packers have to win this game. Let's talk about it coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
3: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers winning today 6 to nothing. Wow, it was riveting. Coming up in 15 minutes uh, I want to slam the Brewers for about 10 minutes straight because I'm upset with them and I think they have botched just about every detail possible this season I think they've they've failed at every corner at every turn just a total catastrophe I know they won today good for Mike Brasso I guess can't wait 10 years down the road we can be sitting around with our friends and be like hey remember that Mike Brasso guy throw him on the pile with Frank Catalanato, Jody Garrett <laughs> It's Wednesday, and I know David Gasper, our friend from Reviewing the Brew, has been joining us every week on Wednesdays. Because Mike Clemens joins us on Tuesdays, and it's a scheduling thing. It's a logistical thing. And tonight's show is a little bit shorter, and we already had Danny Heifetz of the ringer. He's going to join us at 5.30 to talk Packers and to talk NFL. So I told Gasper, hey, I'd love to talk with you today because I want to talk about the Brewers. Especially after the meltdown last night they had and blowing up, whatever. It was terrible last night. You You know what I mean. And I talked with Gasper earlier today and we talked for like 20 minutes and I'm going to put it on the end of the podcast of tonight's show. So if you're someone like me that yes, is in football mode and is all over the Packers in the NFL right now and is waiting for Saturday to watch a little college football, maybe it's not your thing, but you're in football mode, right? But you still like a little Brewers. Okay. Well, David Gasper and I, we chatted for like 20 minutes earlier today. I'm going to put it on the podcast which will go up just after 6 o'clock, so you can get some more Brewers content there if you wish. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. We'll talk about the Packers' defense for just a couple of minutes. Talk about Tampa Bay, their opponent coming up on Sunday. 325, America's Game of the Week type stuff. This is a must-win game. I've talked about it. We don't need to over do an overtime. What does that mean? Is the season over? if they? No, you obviously know what. It. It's not serious. But this is a huge, huge game. Because for the last couple of years, this has been the type of game that the Packers have not just lost, but lost embarrassingly. You know, quit in the second quarter. Yeah, those types of games. Those. And I want this season to feel different than last year and the year before and the year before. And I feel like this game on Sunday is a big part of it. And I think it's a chance for the Packers' defense step up and really show folks that they're for real. Now I believe that this Packers' defense is for real. Week one, I guess, doesn't count, so I'm not going to take that game that seriously if the Packers aren't going to take it seriously. Against the Bears, yeah, they gave up an opening drive and they gave up some rushing yards on the ground, but go look at the play-by-play of the box score. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Oh, David Montgomery got a little bit of running room at the end of the game. Well, they were up by 20 points. I wouldn't be jumping in and risking injury to tackle David Montgomery you're up 20 points at home on Sunday night football against the Bears a team you've dominated for three decades okay David Montgomery can run for six or seven yards a carry in garbage time I don't care I'm not worried about the Packers defense but on Sunday they need to show up big time and I want the Packers defensive front and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary to manhandle what is a makeshift offensive line that's full of backups and backups of backups and a 45 or 46 or 48 year old Tom Brady they can't move at all that's the biggest part of Sunday's game for me I want to see this Packers defensive front tar Tom Brady in that offensive line for four straight games this is a game they need to show up and pass the eye test the last two games I don't really care about for some of the reasons we just discussed but this Sunday oh yeah Packers at Tampa Bay we'll talk more Packers later on in the show like I said Danny Heifetz going to be here and it's going to be great. He's fantastic. I recorded the interview earlier today. You're not going to want to miss it. He's the best. I love him. Vagabond John, speaking of people I love, one of the show's finest callers and contributors, 608 796 What's up, Vagabond John? I feel like you were targeting me because I tweeted at you last night. <laughs> Are you giving an ultimatum for
1: this Sunday with no consequence?
4: No. No, 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 no. You
1: know, As a manager in my day job, if I do that to people, I just get laughed at, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, for this season to feel different and for this season to feel like this team's got an edge that the last couple of teams didn't, I I need a signature regular season win against an NFC rival because you can admit the last couple of years they've lost these games. I I want this year to feel different. I think I would agree with you and I would, would, you know, adjust the statement
1: to say it's a must-win game to keep the state of Wisconsin excited about Packers football this year. (laughs) I think... I think there are, are, of course, a ton of Packers die, diehards, just like there are a couple Brewers diehards that are still paying attention to the Brewers. <clears throat> but me, there are a me. couple packs, yes. you know, there's, there's, a, there's tons of Packers diehard fans that are going to pay attention. They're going to sell out every game. That's going to happen no matter if they lose this game or not. But in order to fill, you know, all the die bars around lacrosse and here in Madison, in order to... To go down to Whiskey Jacks on a Sunday and, and see a crowd, and to get people actually excited each and every Sunday, I agree with you, and I think that's my that's my uh, ticket there. I think when the team is really good, then people go out; they get out. There's more, you know, eat, there's more commerce that happens. Mm-hmm. All the bars are happy, so the economy. To keep the level of excitement high. This is a must-win game. If they if they start the season one and two, very quickly, now all of a sudden. You know, we can microwave a couple of hot dogs at home, crack open a mountain crest, and enjoy the game just by myself, man. you know, in my Packers cave. That sounds That's like, a great, that sounds like a great
0: time. What are you talking about? Some microwave hot dogs and a beer at home? That's Man, talk dirty to me. What are you talking about? That sounds great.
1: You <laughs> had uh, you had quite the phone line uh, experience yesterday. I, I tried to call on, I think, tw- two or three times. But uh, to yesterday's conversation more about Packers-Bears. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting debate that's starting to float, you know, between these two fan bases of which was a worse draft pick, Jordan Love
0: (laughs) or Justin Fields? Oh, man, I I, I must be left out of this discourse. I haven't seen this. I know before the season, the debate was which team's wide receiving core is better, Packers or Bears. I remember that one. That That was a heck of a battle back and forth. I did not know we were doing Jordan Love versus Justin Fields. I didn't know that. I
1: really like the Jordan Lovers and Justin Fields, and I know that you and I have talked about video games a couple of times on the show before, but I'm a big Civ 6 player and a big part of that game uh, is just to make sure that when you're ready to make a push or when you're ready, ready to engage in battle to make sure that everybody on your team is ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to get that cherry on top. You don't want to get that playoff or franchise quarterback unless you have Weapons ready to go, unless you have an offensive line, unless you have a defense build. because otherwise you're just going to absolutely waste a rookie contract. On the flip side, you know, so like for Packer fans out there that are still upset about the Jordan Love pick, first of all, get over it. Whatever. It's, yeah. At the very least, it motivated an aging Aaron Rodgers to you know put his nuts on the table and win a couple of MVPs. But we're witnessing firsthand with our rivals what not to do. Go out draft the top ten pick, so they spend a number 11 and a number seven overall pick. They spent two top 11 picks on Justin Fields because they traded up and they traded away their 22 first-round pick, right? Yeah. So That's why I'm sitting here thinking, if there's a Bears fan listening here, you have no right to talk about Jordan Love because, I mean, look at Justin Fields' play. He, you know, comparing him to, like, Jalen Hurts maybe, right? Sure. But the Eagles, they went out and they got all those extra pieces first. Yeah. So I think... You know, it's not a Bears show, but... Yeah, I mean, Jalen
0: Jalen Hurts joined a team that was pretty middle-of-the-road talent-wise. The cupboard wasn't as bare as it was with the Bears. I think where the Bears faulted, and I bet all Bears fans would agree with this, is if you believe that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace weren't the future, just move on from them before drafting Justin Fields, because they they drafted Justin Fields and then went into Fields' rookie year thinking uh, these guys are probably going to be done, but we'll give him one more year, right? So then this new regime has to come in with no picks, no cap space, and a quarterback that they didn't draft. So I don't know if this regime likes Fields or not, but I mean you can't put a worse set of circumstances around a young quarterback. I don't know if Fields is any good or not, but the Bears haven't exactly done him many favors.
1: Yeah, we have no idea, and that's not even the point. The point is less about the player and more about the strategy, and I guess that's why I brought up, like, you know, Civ 6 is a turn-based chess-like strategy game. And I really enjoy viewing NFL roster building in that same light, where you really have to make sure, you know, all your moves are in a row. So to your point, if you knew that the head coach was not going to be there, yeah. you don't want to trade away four total picks for the future to take a risk on a guy from a college who simply doesn't produce. And I know that narrative is probably overblown, Ooh. but it is, it's is—it's remarkable. It's remarkable how many <laughs> times, you know, you're in college and how good would Graham Mertz look if he had a five-star receiver on his right-hand side and a five-star receiver on his left-hand side. And it's, a, it's a lot easier to throw against Northwestern and their two-star corners when you've got, you know, five-star guys to throw to. And I think that's, that's you know, part of the, that Ohio State system makes quarterbacks look really good. And historically, you know, we've seen
2: them all kind of fizzle out in the NFL. Yeah, I
0: think Ben Kenny and and Bill Michaels had that debate. I think it was yesterday on air. I was listening for a while, and it was funny to hear. They were talking about uh, C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields and having that discussion. I think Kenny and Heilpern did. Fields or Stroud, which one is, you know, at their peak in college, which one is better? We'll have to maybe drag that topic back up. We're going to get Ben Kenny on at some point. The rest of this week because we got to preview Ohio State. Vagabond John, I got to take one more break before five o'clock. I'm sorry to do this to you. I got to let you go.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Hey, bet the Badgers. They're going to cover the spread. That's all Ooh, I got. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling a little positivity. Thank you, Vagabond John. I saw Ben Kenny say the same thing. Should we create a syndicate here, pool some money together, and bet on the Badgers plus whatever it is, 17 or 18? I'm sure it's moved. It's moved a few times because everyone's betting Ohio State. <laughs> Need to move that line out. Get some money on Wisconsin. Yeah, let's pull some money together. Let's make a bet as a group here. Let's work as a team. Let's take a break. Come back in three minutes. We'll wrap up this Packers conversation. And at 5 o'clock, probably going to turn the phone off for 10 minutes. And I just, I need to get some things off my chest about the Brewers. And then we'll do Packers the rest of the way. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Back in three minutes.
3: This is the Wisco Sports Show. With Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network.
0: Go Sports Show. Vagabond John, appreciate a couple minutes you calling in. I didn't know that Jordan Love versus Justin Fields was a debate. I appreciate Vagabond John for bringing that to my attention. I don't know that one's better or worse than the other right now. I mean, Justin Fields is starting, so he's getting reps. He's getting in-game experience that Jordan Love's not getting, but the situations are so different. The Bears really put Justin Fields in a tough spot. It's like, hey, we're going to trade all our picks for you uh, and then bring you in and have you play under a coach for one year. And then we're going to get rid of that coach, get rid of that GM. And then a new GM is going to come in who didn't draft you. So no telling if he likes you or not. And uh, he's going to trade away a lot of good players because you don't have any picks and uh, shed a lot of salary cap or shed a lot of salary to create cap space. There we go. Nailed it. Mike from Chippewa Falls Texan, says, I thought I saw a graphic Sunday night that showed the Bears are paying $63 million this year to players that are not even on the team. That that seems like it could be true. NFL teams are getting more comfortable doing that. You know what I mean? It doesn't help for the Bears to have a bunch of great players on their team because they're not going to win any games either way. So they're trying to create cap space, trying to get rid of some of these guys so they can build for, you know, a year down the road or two years down the road. But then by that time, you know, you're going to have to decide on whether or not you're paying Justin Fields It's just a really tough sequence of events when adding a young quarterback like this. That's just a really tough spot to be in because you want to be ready to go like right now with Justin Fields. That's what the Eagles are doing with Hurts, but the Bears had to basically begin a rebuild just as Justin Fields is really kind of, well, he's in his second year now. It's a tough scenario. That's why I don't know if Jordan Love versus Justin Fields is really that good of a debate. I want to rant about the Brewers going we'll to do that next, and then we'll talk more Packers. It's the Wisco Sports Show.
2: I'm going to keep improving and, and finding ways to get those young guys confident and get them the ball. But if we can run the ball like we did today, it alleviates a lot of the
3: stress that we could feel that we not had 20 hours. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Hackers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: Fun stat. After today's Brewers win, Mike Brasso hitting a grand slam to salvage the series. I think the Brewers are still toasts. Uh, but it's worth mentioning, Adam McAlvey tweets this out. Most pinch-hit home runs this season. First place in Major League Baseball, tied at three home runs apiece, one Albert Pujols and one Mike Brasso. <laughs> Two absolute living legends, fan favorites. The entire ballpark comes to their feet when either player steps up to the plate. Mike Brasso. Oh, Brewers winning today, beating the Mets. Uh, Thanks to a Mike Brasso home run, a Tyrone Taylor single, and a Willie Adamas home run, because he's having an awesome September. As I shared earlier, hitting 316 this month with nine doubles. Did I get that right? No, no, no. 24 hits, nine doubles, four home runs. There we go. Sorry, long column. My eyes are (laughs) struggling today. Uh, Willie Adamis, after the game, caught up with Sophia Menard. Uh, And they talked about what the month of September means and what it's like to play meaningful baseball in Milwaukee. This is how words are used in our society to create a bias against certain things. Do I need to let that bit die? Maybe for tonight. Maybe come back to it next week. I don't know. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will give us another funny press conference bit to keep playing. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I think the next 57 minutes are going to be enchanting radio. Okay. I want to start. By ranting on the Brewers, I have a couple things to say. This is probably going to be the last big Brewers discussion I have for the year. Because I highly doubt they're going to make the playoffs. And this is kind of the last thing I want to say about the 2022 Brewers. Then in about 15 minutes, I want to talk about the Packers and what's coming up on Sunday. And the circumstances surrounding this game. Today we learned that Mike Evans is for sure going to be suspended. The suspension was upheld. So really the Bucs could be down a couple offensive linemen. They could be down Godwin, Evans, and possibly Julio Jones. Remember, Godwin came back in the opener, hurt his hammy, and missed last week. And Julio Jones, who looked great in week one, and everyone's like, wow, look at this, he looks fantastic. Well, of course he did. It's week one, he hasn't a chance to get hurt yet. And then he, you know, misses week two, Julio Jones. So they could be without Julio, Evans, and Godwin this weekend, and a bunch of offensive linemen, and Akeem Hicks isn't playing. The Bucks are vulnerable, and the Packers are going to need to win this game. You know, you can you can poke fun at me as Vagabond John did for calling it a must win, because if they lose, you know, nothing's really going to happen. The season isn't going to end. But this game is huge. And there's one position group specifically that I'm really, really going to have my eyes on on Sunday. And I want to talk about that in about 15 minutes in a half hour, at one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people in sports media, Danny Heifetz from The Ringer. I talked to him earlier today, recorded that conversation. He's on the fantasy football podcast through The Ringer. He's on The Ringer NFL show. He writes for The ringer.com and he is a Packers owner, except he's a Giants fan, grew up in New York, but a Packers owner. It's nice to talk with a fellow owner on the show. So that's what's coming up in the next 55 minutes or so. Give me a text, 608-796-2558. Tweet me, at Wisco Grant. I'm going to turn the phone off for the next 10 minutes, because I just, I, I, need, I need to get some on my chest. I, I need I need to talk about this. I watched the Brewers game last night. I wanted to watch House of the Dragon which comes out on Sunday nights, but because of Monday Night Football, I didn't have a chance to watch it, and then last night, I was not going to watch House of the Dragon until the Brewer game was over, because I didn't want to miss anything, so I waited until after the Brewer game, till after, you know, 10 o'clock, 10.15, to watch House of the Dragon, except when the game ended last night, I was almost too upset, I was almost too fired up to watch House of the Dragon, and I did, I made it work, but I could have gone on the radio at 10.15 last night, and been full of energy. I could have done four hours of talk on the Brewers alone last night after last night's game. And it's not just about last night's game. It's like Taylor Rogers blew the game and Grant blew a gasket. No, no, no. Taylor Rogers, whatever. We've seen Taylor Rogers blow games. Brad Boxberger blow games. Devin Williams has blown games. The Brewers have blown a bunch of games. This is not unique to last night. It was not last night's specific result that really tilted me about this Brewers. It's big picture. I'm mad at everyone and everything. Right. And I just want to spend the next 10 minutes. Interrupted blasting every single person in the Brewers organization because I think they deserve it. Not that they listen to the show, although they should. Well, what great fun we have every day from, from four to six. Coming into this season, I want to take you back to March or April, which feels like yesterday. This Brewers roster was foolproof, elite starting pitching, elite back end of the bullpen, and a very competent offense. Well, maybe not the Cardinals. Maybe he doesn't have the high-end bats, but Colton Wong, Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich—that's I mean, that's just a lot of good major league ball players. Guys who could have a job on most teams. The offense isn't otherworldly, but definitely not terrible. Brewers roster is pretty hard to mess up. Outstanding pitching, top to bottom, and an offense that is pretty solid. It's pretty hard to mess that up, especially when the division is terrible. The NL Central is terrible. It's three teams that aren't even trying to win. Cardinals don't have a starting rotation. The Pirates stink. Now, they're up and coming, but they're not trying to win yet. The Reds traded away all their good players before the season. And the Cubs are, again, bottoming out. Right? They're playing, say, a Suzuki and Nico Horner, Eric Sogard. They're not trying to win. Right? So the Brewers roster was foolproof. The Brewers play in a division that is terrible. And the Brewers fan base is loyal to a fault. We come to games when the team stinks. Attendance is never supposed to be an issue with this Brewers team. And yet, the Brewers' front office this year found a way to shoot the roster in the stomach at the deadline, piss off their own players and some of their former players, like Lorenzo Cain, and some of their former players that are now playing elsewhere, like Josh Hader, and pissed off all their fans, pissed off all the players in the clubhouse. They bungled an uber-winnable division, can't even beat the Reds and the Cubs and the Pirates anymore, And now they're fighting for a wild-card spot, even though their division is terrible and really winnable. And now they're playing out the stretch in September. We know they're not going to make the playoffs, and therefore no one's going to the games. Looks and sounds and feels like a tomb in that stadium. David Stearns, Matt Arnold, Mark Atanasio, and even Rick Schlesinger, they had to try to mess up a season like this. It was childproof. They had all the little safety locks and buttons all over everything. You, You... You had to go out of your way to try to mess this season up. And the Brewers did. Now, the roster got off to a little bit of a slow start. There were some injuries early on. And at one point, I remember Craig Council saying, no one's having a great offensive year, right? No one was really that hot in the first half, except for Rowdy Telez early. Wong was below average. Adamus below average, except for the power numbers. No one was having an above average offensive year. No one was having a great year. But... The season is 162 games long, so things would have come around, and we've seen just through positive regression alone, just regression to the mean or progression to the mean, depending on how you like to word it. Things came around in the second half. Wong came out hot in the second half. Adam is having a great September. Yelich has been much better. Rowdy Telez has had cold streaks, but he's also had hot streaks. Hunter Renfro is brilliant out of the break. He's been brilliant at times. All David Stern's had to do with this team. Add a reliever at the deadline to show that you're trying and add a random bat that can hit left-handed pitching to signal to your players and your fans that you're trying and you believe in this team. And you'd say, well, they would have had to give up too much. I don't know. They gave up a pretty substantial prospect for Trevor Rosenthal, who was a coin flip at best to even play for this team, let alone be good. All David Stearns had to do was just the usual generic trade deadline of a team that is contending add a reliever and add a bat and then sit back and profit because it was going to work. But no, they had to get cute. They had to have their cake and eat it. The Brewers got cute. Let that sink in. A team that has been terrible for 99% of its existence. It got almost 30 years at times without making the playoffs. Never won a World Series, only been to one, and it was back when they played in the American League. Yeah, that team, that team got cute. That team looked a playoff opportunity in the face, a world series contention roster in the face and said, eh, let's, let's see if we let's see if we can't, you know, get away with some things here. Let's see if we can't get cute. David Stearns blew it and Matt Arnold blew it, but you know what? So did everyone else involved with this organization and this front office, you know, Rick Schlesinger and everyone involved in the marketing department, the business side for the brewers, Brewers fans are loyal to a fault. I'll go to games. I, I'll buy tickets if I, even if I don't know the record of the team. We'd go every year. We, I grew up four hours away from the ballpark. We'd go to at least one game every year, maybe more, if the team was at least halfway decent. We go to Brewer games regardless of whether they're good or bad. Do you know the lengths you need to go to keep us from buying tickets and going to Brewer games? Do you know the things that you would have to do to kill attendance for a team that has a chance to making the playoffs? Well, I don't know. I thought of a couple things that maybe you could do. How about trading away a franchise cornerstone in Josh Hader then wheeling out David Stearns in a press conference to say, oh, I, I think our guys get it. I think they understand. That would be one thing that would get me to quit and get folks to stop buying tickets. Well, what about DFAing De Denilson Lamet days after acquiring him? Only then, after looking incredibly incompetent, to start promoting a golf simulator and keep that PR campaign going for three months. Yeah, that might piss some folks off. That might keep us from buying tickets. How about giving up, like I said, a top-20 prospect For a guy that ultimately never pitches for the team and Trevor Rosenthal. And then, and then you make a huge deal about a $6 concession voucher. That's making the Brewers money. That's making the Brewers money. You're not giving a gift in a $6 concession voucher. You are giving a little ticket to to take to the window and pay more money for concessions. Get me to turn it off the Brewers a little bit. Get me to not care about a team that's in playoff contention. What about promoting Aaron Judge's home run record? Well, what about doing that? Promoting that to Brewers fans is a reason to buy tickets as your Josh Hader replacement, Taylor Rogers blows another game. Something I was thinking about last night, our friend Bart Winkler tweeted this, and I 100% believe it. Did the Cubs rebuild hurt the Brewers' bottom line more than it did the Cubs? I think the Brewers' front office probably misses the Cubs being good because it costs them money. They can't jack up the parking prices and make hay on concession prices and beer by all those rich Chicago folks coming up here. They love it when Cubs fans load the ballpark because it – Helps them line their coffers. The Brewers front office made some mistakes. Some unreal, almost unexplainable mistakes with how they handled this roster that, like I said, was supposed to be foolproof. But then it got worse because the team marketed itself like a bunch of tone-deaf idiots the last couple of months. They somehow got more bold and obvious about their lack of desire to win games. They got more aggressive in their pursuit to bone every Brewers fan out of every dollar and cent possible. They said, hey, we're going to blow your team up at the trade deadline, take a giant dump all over our locker room and any chemistry that we had left squash any chance of just simple positive regression in the second half. So even if Wong and Urias and Yelich and all these guys come around and turn a corner in the second half, well, that's not going to matter because we took a giant dump all over the chemistry in this locker room, made everyone feel uncomfortable. And guess what? Now that you're all mad, the fans and the players and you're peeved off. Hey, guess what? Guess what we got? We got a golf simulator. We're giving away an NFT this weekend. How about a $6 concession voucher? that can't buy you anything. I just, I'm so I'm just so beside myself. Here, I'm, I'm sitting in the studio in my chair. And I know you can't see this, but I'm going to gesture to my left. There's some space next to me in the counter. Here's me sitting in my chair. And here, as I gesture to the left, here's me beside myself about how poorly the Brewers handled this season. There's supposed to be adults in that room. Smart men and women who wear suits and pantsuits and go on TV and talk about, all oh, the Brewers community fund. And this is how blah, 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 blah. I, I can't believe some of the things they did this year. I never want to talk about this team ever again once the season is over. And you know me. I love my Brewers history, even the bad history. I, next year or the year after, will not want to talk to David Gasper of reviewing the Brew about this season. This season is an embarrassment. It's one thing to make personnel mistakes and roster decisions. It's another to have your business side of your organization double down and make them even worse and worse and worse. If I would have told you last year or three years ago or four years ago, hey, guys, uh, the Brewers in late September— are going to be two games out of a playoff spot and no one's going to care or go to the games. You'd have to think, wow, it sounds like an interesting set of circumstances. A lot of things would have to happen for that to be the case. Oh, yeah. A lot of things would have to happen. And they all did. I just, I cannot believe how bad the Brewers bungled this. I lost a lot of respect for that front office and everyone involved in how the Brewers do their business because this season was an abject failure and an embarrassment. And now Brewers fans see right through it. So good luck next year trying to pass off some Ryan Healy type signing to hit cleanup for us because it's not going to fly. It might have flown two years ago. It's not going to fly anymore. 608- 796-2558. That's my rant on the Brewers. That's all I wanted to say. That's all, I, that's all I had. Now we can talk about Packers. We'll do that coming up next. I got a couple of things I want to point out about this weekend uh, and some position groups that I'm really looking at, specifically that defensive line. I'm looking at you, Rashawn Gary. It'll be a big day on Sunday. Let's talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
3: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show, Danny Heifetz of The Ringer. Ringer Fantasy Football Show, Ringer NFL Show, RightsFortheRinger.com. He's going to join us in about 12 minutes. Had an awesome conversation with him earlier today. One of my favorite football people, him and Eric Eager, 1A and 1B or 1A and 1A. The Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon of this show. Love them both to death. Danny, we get once or twice a year. Busy guy. So super excited to talk Packers. We talked wide receivers and Packers offense. Uh, It's a really good conversation. That's coming up in a few. I just had to get some Brewers things off my chest. I understand that they are not our focus right now. Also, the Packers beat the balls off the Bears on Sunday. Like, do we need to do a a play-by-play breakdown of that game and everything that went well and went poorly? Like, we've seen enough Packers games on Sunday Night Football. I could go back from last year or the year before and just pull the show that we did the Monday after the Packers also smoked the Bears on Sunday Night Football and just replay that one. It's the same every year. So I'm sorry. If you want to talk football, we're about to do that. But I, I had about 10 minutes of Brewers things I want to get off my chest. Rockin' Rick. Rockin' Rick. Says I'm hanging on for Craig and the boys, not the suits. That's the thing. I don't really have an issue with Craig Council or the players. I really have an issue with the on the field stuff. It's the way the front office handled the roster because I think they bungled a roster that was like childproof. You know how when you're driving around, maybe you've experienced this, maybe you haven't, and you listen to Spotify in the car, it puts it in car mode. So you only have like three options you have the skip button, the pause button and and the like, add to Q button, it takes away all of the other buttons as to not distract you while you're driving. That's what this Brewers roster was this year. It's like safety mode, car mode. It's like, hey, you have a great starting pitching staff. You have an elite back end of the bullpen. And you have maybe not the best offense in the league, but you have an offense that's full of veterans, guys who've done this before with Wong and Renfro and Kane and Yelich and Adamas. Like, these are grown adults. This isn't some little kid offense we have. These are grown adults. This roster in that division, should have made the playoffs. And they took a roster that was in car mode. It was childproofed. And they somehow got in there and messed everything up. And it's not just the baseball operation. It's the business side. Just one misstep after another, especially since the All-Star break and the trade deadline. Where it's like, hey, here's a $6 concession voucher. You guys are poor and won't look into the details. We're really making money off this, but you guys aren't going to notice. So, (laughs) but we did notice and we stopped going to games. We're going to promote this golf simulator. Forget the product on the field. I mean, unless you want to come watch Aaron Judge, that is. What a bunch of... How stupid do they think we are? Aaron in Janesville says, Grant, my boy. I love how you typed that. What a well-thought-out rant. You just encapsulated all the rage I've had with this team for the last two months. You and I share the same fandom, except I've been dealing with it since the early 90s. Please don't talk about them anymore. They don't deserve the airtime. I think if I say anything about the Brewers moving forward, it's going to be about what a great September Willie Adamas is having. I've really enjoyed him. And Mike Brasso, who's leading Major League Baseball in pinch hit home runs. He's tied with Albert Pujols. Just two living legends at the top of that statistical category. See <laughs> had a Grand Slam day. I'll talk about the players because I really like these players. I like the guy. I think the, all of these players seem like awesome guys. I wish I could be in the clubhouse and I wish I could go cover games. I just live too far away. I like the team. It's everything around the team that was just messed up so, so badly today. Thank you guys for the text. You can tweet me as well at Wisco Grant. You know, Vagabond John called us earlier, and he was tweeting at me last night. I saw the tweets. I I just didn't have time to get to it. It's a short show. Two hours can really go quickly. And Vagabond John asked me last night, you keep saying the Tampa Bay's a must-win. You know, what do you mean a must-win? Would the season end? The season? You're making ultimatums with no price? Well, all right. Let's not take this so seriously. Uh, But Vagabond John's a serious guy, so I understand it. When I say a must-win, I just mean that this is a huge game. I understand it's a regular season game. And they can easily make the playoffs. They can win every game the rest of the year if they lose on Sunday. Like, don't get me wrong, but this is a huge game, okay? Big picture, and I brought this up a couple of times, so I'll be brief. Since 2019, the Packers have come up short, haven't been good enough. And I think a theme throughout the Matt Lafleur Packers up until this point is they've been soft. They go on the road, not great. You want a hostile environment, not great. They fall behind by 10 points, not great. They quit. They throw in the towel. They're soft. Okay, and we saw that in San Francisco in 2019. We saw it in Tampa Bay in 2020. And maybe it's just not a Matt LaFleur thing. Maybe it's a Rodgers-Packers thing. Because in 2015, remember a team that won a playoff game or two, it was the Hail Mary year. They got smoked by Denver in the regular season. One of the worst Aaron Rodgers games ever. Got killed by Arizona towards the end of the regular season. I think they lost 38-8. to eight. Just terrible. They've been losing games like this for years. 2014 is the last time they won a regular season game like this. When they beat the Patriots. CBS game, it was cold. Mike Neal, Mike Daniels coming together for the game ceiling sack, remember that? Jordy Nelson, touchdown against Darrell Revis before halftime, oh, ho, ho, ho. great team, great win. We need one of those. Small picture, the NFC has very few great teams. There might not be any great teams in the NFC right now. No, they might appear, but not right now. Tampa Bay is one of the better teams in the NFC, and they're already 2-0. Tampa Bay's got Green Bay this weekend, then Kansas City, then the schedule gets much easier. They host Atlanta, go to Pittsburgh, go to Carolina. They have Baltimore and L.A., but then Seattle, Cleveland, New Orleans, San Francisco, Cincy, Arizona. A bunch of games against the Falcons, bunch of games against the Panthers. You need to stick them with a loss. Also, who knows? Maybe it comes down to a tiebreaker. I don't mean it to be mid-September and talking about seeding, but these games do end up mattering sometimes. Also, and most importantly, Tampa's offensive line is decimated. Akeem Hicks is out. Godwin is probably out. Mike Evans is suspended. Mike Evans is out. You need to win this game. And the one position group that I'm really going to be dialed into this weekend, and I think you should too, watch Kenny Clark, watch Preston Smith, watch Rashawn Gary, because if this defense is elite, and I think that it is, I think week one is a throwaway game. If the Packers aren't going to care about that game, I'm not going to care about it. I think last week, the Packers defense was great. I know they gave up some yards on the ground to David Montgomery, but they were up by multiple scores. Who cares? Who cares if David Montgomery got seven yards a pop on him? I don't care. This weekend, I need to see Rashawn Gary look like the potential dark horse defensive player of the year candidate he's been touted as. Because that offensive line is mush. You got backups and backups of backups playing on that offensive line. So if you are ever going to be an elite defensive front that contends with great teams, it needs to show big time this weekend. So watch that defensive line. Something that actually Danny Heifetz and I are going to talk about next. Danny Heifetz, The Ringer, Fantasy Football Show. We have him on once or twice a year. He's fantastic. I recorded our conversation earlier today. You'll hear that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
3: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco
0: Sports Show. Let's get right to it. Danny Hype, it's the ringer joined me on Zoom earlier today, recorded a nice little conversation about the Packers and their offense and what their season has looked like through two weeks and also what it might look like for the next couple of months. So let's not waste any time. It's about 20 minutes and it is gold. So here is my conversation with one Danny Heifetz. Enjoy. We're here with Danny Heifetz, the Ringer Ringer fantasy football pod, which is excellent. It's become one of my favorite podcasts and I don't even, I'm in one fantasy league. Like I'm not even that fantasy obsessed. It's just a really fun pod Talks about all the games, all the players, and it's really fun. Danny, how are you? Welcome back.
5: I'm fantastic, man. Thank you for having me. Also, I'm doing the Rigor NFL show on Fridays as well. So yeah.
0: yeah, and you're a Packers owner. You have not sold your stock or I, anything. You still are an I owner. I don't think I'm like
5: legally allowed to. I think I have to die to get rid of it. I, I don't know how it works. But no, yes, yeah. I'm I'm an owner of the Packers.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's nice to I talk to a fellow owner. <laughs> traded Devontae. Well, I want to talk about the Devontae trade here in a couple minutes. I want your take just big picture on rookie wide receivers because the wide receiver discourse is as a Packer fan and someone who talks about the Packers, the last couple of years has just been nuts. And it starts in 2020. And two years ago, I believed that like rookie wide receivers really, they can't really do a whole lot. They'll have moments and nice games, but consistency, I never really bought in. And the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of rookie wide receivers be really good, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. T Higgins is a guy that the Packers have wanted. So I guess like, how do we make sense of rookie wide receivers?
5: So I, I I think a good way to think of the NFL is kind of like a Jenga tower. And that you ever play Jenga and you tap a block and it's just rigid, right? Yeah. Just, but then like five turns come around and you, that same block just pops right out, right? Like imperceptible structural changes can kind of like happen that right in front of your face without really knowing it. For a long time, rookie receivers just didn't contribute, right? Rookie tight ends really didn't. And still don't. And rookie receivers just, it was too, the game was too much. It was too fast, too physical, and too complicated. And so you had to lower expectations. At some point in the last, like, three years, that block, pop it right out. Because a combination of things that are hard to see, but more or less, the game becoming more college-oriented and more college game plan, I think the simplest way to put it, Kyle Shannon, I'm not that smart. Kyle Shannon said it. Yeah. Route running is, like, less important than it was. And that doesn't mean route running doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. You can be less refined in your route running and still be great. I think Garrett Wilson for the Jets is a great example. Last week, Garrett Wilson, he is, I think, 10th overall pick to the Jets. My co host, Danny Kelly's number one rated receiver coming into this year's draft. Nice. I mean, he had, by my count, 47 catches and 400 receiving yards last week. And it wasn't like, I'm joking, but it wasn't like technical incredible route running it was get him the ball in space and let him wiggle out of everything you know he's like you know it's like watching lamar jackson basically if he just had to play tag and garrett wilson's just slipping out of it and basically i think all these offenses are creating just get our the ball to great athletes in space and let them be great athletes and so all these great athletes coming out of college are contributing earlier than we're used to that's like a gross oversimplification but I do think that's broadly speaking why we see such an incredible uptick in rookie receiving and admittedly those outliers I think Jamar Chase being one a 99th percentile receiving prospect and then actually my co- colleague Roger Sherman had the best take the guys who sat out the pandemic actually had an advantage because like Jamar Chase just and Rashawn Slater for the Chargers the left tackle just Two of the best rookies last year. Just uh actively getting to just take the year off and solely focused on football, proper weightlifting, proper nutrition, not being at a college dining hall, not going to college party like it actually just helped them. So I'm not saying it explains everything. Yeah. But broadly speaking, I think that that's what's changed with rookie receivers.
0: It would never fly in the Midwest in the Big Ten. We're too academic centric. You know, all those other things matter. We we like our athletes well rounded. God forbid you yeah, should just focus
5: on football. <laughs> that's why you pump out the linemen.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and something I've been thinking about Kevin O'Connell, who our Packers matched up against, our I say is we're both owners, but my Packers, the team that I I watch and talk about in Wisconsin, you know. Well, Kevin, yeah, we.
5: I mean, you know, we just we debated, you know, bringing Kevin O'Connell on our staff. it wasn't right for us. You yeah. Know. He, this is, yeah, this is the
0: things we talk about as owners. I think coaches like Kevin O'Connell, and there's lots of these coaches, Matt LaFleur, they're similar, but they're the same in that I think the last year or so is, has really shown us these coaches have just kind of thrown out the rule book in, in how to get their best player the ball, right? Like, we used to think of this receiver as a receiver who lines up here and does this. And I don't know when it happened, but I, I think it somewhat recently where coaches just said, who cares where we line them up? Like, move them around, line them up everywhere, backfield, slot, out wide, And it's just about finding ways to get these guys the ball. And and I think, Danny, you talked a couple minutes ago about trading away Devontae Adams. All offseason, I tried to convince myself that the the absence of Devontae Adams is a good thing. Because it's going to force Aaron Rodgers to go elsewhere. And we're not just going to be forcing the ball to this one guy, which I think bit them from time to time. But also, the more I watch the NFL, like that's what today's NFL is. We force the ball to the best player, because why would we get it anywhere else? Right, so what do you see in all of these offensive-minded head coaches who coach Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, just basically creating ways to get that guy the ball? And what does it mean, especially you, who talk about fantasy? Like, what does this mean for wide receiver twos and threes, like the Adam Thielen's and the Allen Robinsons of
5: the world who played behind these guys? Yeah, Uh, I'm sorry that I keep coming to your questions with other questions, but can I ask you a question? Yes, absolutely, I love that. What position does Giannis play?
0: Oh, see, this this is great. He, d- he doesn't really center kind of, but not really a little point guard, a little power forward, a little point forward. Yeah. Whatever's going to work. Right.
5: Yeah. Uh, I, it, it, that's what they're doing in the NFL and the NFL. It's a little more complicated. It's a little harder to see than basketball. where It's kind of easier to see when a guy's playing out of position. It's very easy to say when see when Nikola Jokic is just pulling up from 30 feet and you're like, that's weird, but that's kind of what's happening. You know, if you watch the Jaguars, Christian Kirk, the receiver there left the car, everyone made fun of them. Having Christian Kirk. He scored a touchdown last week like as a running back. Like yeah. they had him just do a running back play. I think that the simplest way to think of that is like it's like Giannis playing center on one position and guarding indeed, but then he brings up the ball in the next position. And it's it's putting your best players in positions that you just kind of scan the field on the defense and you're like, okay, what's the matchup that will work? Because they're not just—it's not high school, or it's not recess where you're like, or pick up football where it's like you're on him. It's not yeah. that simple. Yeah. So unless it's that simple, you can just move Devonte wherever you want. You're seeing that everywhere: Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it, in a backward way, that's also why the Packers are actually playing AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field so much, right? Like they're mm-hmm. basically being like, okay, AJ, Aaron Jones is like the fullback, and now the defense is like, oh my god, do we do we treat Aaron Jones like a fullback? Like, no. Uh, yeah, we we have to. And then like, okay, cool. if you do, we're gonna just put him out wide? Yeah, And if you treat him, if you don't treat him like a fullback, they're gonna run. And it's like, well, either way, you lost, it's kind of like, well, how do you want to guard Giannis? You kind of can't. We're getting rid of rules
0: that we've had forever because I remember when Justin Jefferson yeah. came out in the draft, there were some Packers fans who were like, well, we can't spend that high of a pick on a guy who's just a slot receiver. And i I mean, I just want good receivers because we never draft you know receivers high and I like, I'll just take any great receiver. But they don't think of Justin Jefferson as just a slack guy, right? You can move him around. You can use him anywhere. And we're kind of breaking down these barriers and walls that kind of limited, I think, offensive players for a long time. And you're seeing, you know, all this great production from some of these teams, best players. We're talking with Danny Heifetz. He does stuff for the Ringer. The Ringer Fantasy Football Pod is great. The Ringer NFL show. You do some writing stuff, too. I see you write from time to time. Correct? You're putting out pieces. Yeah, I used to
5: write a lot more. I used to write like five times a week. And now I write more closer to once or twice a week. Do but you yes. miss it? Do you miss writing every day? I miss having written. Sure. like i, I and That's a quote from someone basically like, oh, do you like writing? I'm like, oh, I hate writing. I love having written something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Probably the best way I could explain it.
0: He's got a lot of work, and you can find it at The Ringer. He's on Twitter, at Danny Heifetz. You brought up Aaron Jones. This is something I'm trying to wrestle with in my mind. I think Aaron Jones is their best offensive weapon. Pass catcher, running back, whatever it is, he's their best offensive weapon. Do you
5: disagree with that? Oh, my God, no. I think okay. it's obvious. You know, I I grew up a Giants fan. I was very partial to the Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, Amon Bradshaw, like Earth, Wind, and Fire. I know a lot of people do like the Thunder and Lightning, but the Packers really do have a Thunder and Lightning. In my mind, there's no question that Aaron Jones is like your best player Mm -hmm. on your offense after Aaron Rodgers. Like he's the, uh, the straw that stirs the drink, as they would say. Here's
0: my question. Even if the Packers involve Aaron Jones a million different ways, as smart head coaches now do, and I think Matt LaFleur made a big point of that to do it against the Bears, for what it's worth. He's like, Aaron Jones is our best player. Got to focus on him, and they did on Sunday night, even though it probably wouldn't have mattered because the Bears stink and the Packers own them at Lambeau. And, you know, you're an owner. You know these things. I kind of think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that a team whose best pass catcher is a running back has somewhat of a ceiling. Maybe not. But I, I worry, like, I think of the Alex Smith Chiefs when they went that insane streak of not throwing touchdowns to wide receivers. And it's like, that team could win a lot of games, score a lot of points, but it always kind of had a ceiling. I understand Aaron Rodgers is no Alex Smith, but in your opinion, if, they're, if they end the year and go into the playoffs, we assume, with Aaron Jones as their best pass catcher, is that an offense that has a ceiling?
5: So I always try, you know, it's it, whenever you want to criticize coaches, in the absence of, you know... Nathaniel Hackett for the Broncos just doing things two weeks in a row that, yeah. like, okay, obviously you, you, you're you struggling here, but in the absence of those such glaringly obvious things, I try to always try to be humble and say, you know what, these guys literally have forgotten more about football than mm-hmm. I'll ever know. It's all they think about. They're incredibly brilliant. And when things don't go wrong, right, it's usually like, you know, it's very complicated Why? My question for Matt LaFleur, my question for Brian Gutekunst is how confident like when once you decide to trade devontae adams yeah i understand the logic you know the chiefs did basically made the same decision where they're like you know what we're resigning rogers and we're going to not go all in the packers not an all-in franchise you know i know you know yeah. i don't have to explain to Packers fans you know well aware. they drafted and it worked out if they had gone all in on far they wouldn't have earned Rodgers. you know what i mean that's Jordan love. love or hate it it's what they do that's why they're always relevant Blah yeah. blah 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 you guys know that I think my question is, like, okay, but, like, once you do that, the Chiefs signed Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. The Chiefs signed, as you know, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. The Chiefs, like, did things. Also, the Chiefs still had Travis Kelsey. Who's better than, like, all but five people anyway? Very important. The Chiefs had another Devontae Adams. You know what I mean? Like, the Chiefs traded Diary Kill, but they had, like, the tight end Devontae Adams anyway. So it's not a big of a problem. My question for the Packers is, like, what was the plan? Like, are, were they totally comfortable with this offense and can this offense, like, I, I think the two running back thing is totally going to be viable all season for yes. smattering of 10, 15 plays a game. You're going to, it's going to, it's going to be like a good option, but it's, it, it is a little gadgety. And it's like, you can't just be inspector gadget. And I'm kind of just curious. Okay. I hope Alan Lazard's good. <laughs> I hope Stanley Watkins gets the rapport because yeah. if it is, cool Packers did it again but if it doesn't work it's like even for a team that we always talk about the receivers it just kind of feels so oddly predictable that I guess even the generous side of me I don't know how to give them the benefit of the doubt does that make sense Well, they've come up short with Devontae
0: Adams as their number one wide receiver the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, they were coming up short already, and then they got rid of this elite player. I also, you know, as a Packers fan, I've been used to some stability the last couple of years under the floor. We lost an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach, and I like their OC now. He's their offensive line coach and had been for years, and he's really good at his job because the Packers just put together good offensive lines, even with injuries and guys leaving, but there's a lot of changeover. There was a lot of turnover this offseason. I don't know. I... I worry, exactly. You can win... Oh, this is my. This is very cowherd. I want to share this with you before we're done. Oh, I, please. I said this earlier this week after the Bears game, because it's the Bears, whatever. I said, look, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers for three years have won the most games. They win a ton of games. They've won the most games. The first team in NFL history won 13 games. Yes. In a row. I want to go from winning the most games to winning the right games. And I don't know... Like, that's a very cowherd thing to say, but I. I don't know how this offense with the personnel eventually does the Buccaneers is a huge test on Sunday I've been saying that this is a must-win game for like a month because this is the classic game that the Packers just get shelled in and then say oh we had a bad week of practice and then you know we move on and we stop thinking I about think it it is a
5: must-win game because at this point as long as the Packers make the playoffs the must-win games are just the playoff games
0: again. yeah maybe
5: that's the way I look at it and I'm like okay are they building this team to just win January football and pound people with AJ Dillon and uh, uh, that sounds cool. I guess I look at it like, you know, they're investing in the defensive side of the ball. They expect Aaron Rodgers to fix all their problems. I see why Rodgers is frustrated. Part of me wonders if he's going to want to go next year despite the contract. I don't know. But overall, I, I don't think it's a must-win game versus the Bucs because both these teams are in such weird places. It's Are they going to be gelling by December? And are yeah. they, you know, assuming that they're in position to get a wild card? It, it, it's, it feels weird they just feel incomplete. Oh, yeah. Like Bakhtiari just not being there. You know, all these questions in the offensive line. I don't know. It's it but at the same time, it does feel like the Packers have had more excuses made for them in the first two weeks of the season than anybody.
4: Yeah.
0: I think I think it's important for the vibes. Like I think vibes are important. They got smashed in San Francisco in twenty nineteen, coming off a bye. And then they got smashed by the Buccaneers in twenty twenty down in Tampa. And I think that was coming off a bye too, or it was but it was I just I want a signature regular season win because for the longest time we've never had one and that just puts this pit in my stomach and i think the team feels that heading into the playoffs too will the seating be shot and will they miss the playoffs that they lose no but i think for the vibes the buccaneers game is really important and now mike evans isn't gonna play uh um, rogers's
5: record versus brady
0: i don't even know he well he he won in Lambeau in 2014 he lost in foxborough in 18 which is mccarthy's last year he lost twice in 2020, once in once in the regular season in Tampa and then in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game. Uh, he was hurt in 2010. That was the Matt Flynn game where Matt Flynn almost took him down in Foxborough when Aaron
5: Rodgers was out yeah. with a concussion. I, I'll give you a take. I think that I, I actually think the Packers will win. Nice. Uh, I think it is probably a bigger game for the Packers defense than Rodgers. I think that hmm. Rodgers has earned. Over and over and over again, the right to be like, okay, we'll figure out the offense by December. No, you know, you know what? How many times can you forget out about the offense until you? All right, he's figured it out every year. it. I think they've invested so much in this defense, and the Buccaneers are so banged up. And the, honestly, the Buccaneers' defense is uh, uh, sorry, the Buccaneers' offense is look, it's been horrible. I they mean, they're, they're just, I mean, the performance is bad. Brady is not trusting the of his offensive line. I mean, I actually have literally lost count of the Bucks' injuries on their offensive line. You know, Mike Evans is suspended for this game. Chris Godwin hasn't played yet from this ACL injury. Uh, you know, Julio Jones has the knee. He's having a gauge. Like, literally, you could argue that more than 11 starters for the Bucs are missing. If you count the replacements who would start also being out, yeah. they're kind of missing more than 11 people. So if the Packers defense can't stop this Bucks team, I just wonder how their defense is going to stop the Bucs when presumably they're a little healthier later in the year. That would be more concerning to me than if Rogers doesn't look good.
0: I want them to beat the, tar. they should beat the tar out of the offensive line and Brady. Yeah, they should they need get to. after him. Yes. They need to look good. If they give up four yards, a carry, whatever, a lot of teams give up, I, you know, stuff like that. But I want to look physically like it should look physically mismatched out there on. Sunday.
5: I was told Rashawn Gary would be a sleeper defensive player of the year guy. I would like to hear his name against
0: Tampa Bay a lot of smart people Gary or Gary actually has me blocked on Twitter I don't know why I don't think I ever said anything that bad but the first two years I'm like man top 10 pick like I I want something and I I think it'll happen this year on you have no idea why Rashawn
5: Gary blocked you on Twitter you don't have an, you don't have any idea I,
0: so like I think I was going back and forth with a listener and he he was telling me that I was saying that Rashawn Gary's a bust and that was not I don't think I ever used the term bust but I'm like guys like Packers fans would carry a lot of water early on and I'm like Guys, he's a top ten pick. Like, I want some production. Like, they, these guys are expected to produce. So maybe he blocks a lot of people. I've heard. Like, he's just he's one of those athletes. Which I—that's his right on it. Not anti-Rashawn Gary, but I, there was never a word or anything thrown around. I don't think. I don't know. I feel like you realized as you were talking that that's probably why he blocked you. That 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 back and forth that I had with listeners once upon a time. Probably I think it's it. an honor. I think that means he's listening to you. I mean, that means he hears the hate. The haters. He uses them. All right. As so Rashawn Gary's listening right now. What do you want to say to him? <laughs> that he's a physical freak and I like watching him play and I want to see him go eat this season because now Z'Darrius Smith's gone. I like Rashawn Gary. If, if he's listening right now, I never called him a bust. I never threw the B-word around. I, I refuse to throw the B-word around. That never happened. Yeah.
5: Rashawn Gary, I know you're listening. Unblock, right?
0: Yeah, unblock me on Twitter. Danny Heifetz, the ringer, I got to tell you one thing that happened to me on Sunday because I thought of you. You on your podcast, you've been doing this thing where... You talk about like how guys entertain themselves in dumb ways. Do you have like a good way to summarize that segment for my listeners? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: So for everyone, uh, so yeah, so we do the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We're we're, we're dumb, smart people is the way I like to put it. And I love it. Uh, We've had a lot of people emailing us basically. We were talking about how men are just dumb and do dumb things. But like it started with my co-host Craig basically saying that they were playing some game where they were trying to get like a can to be hanging, like tossing it across, like sliding across the kitchen island. To hang off the edge of the island. Basically with the point being, you could put four women in a, in a house and let them go for 10,000 years. Yeah. It would never occur to women to like do something that stupid. Yes. Men could do it for eight hours. Every group of friends that are dudes like have done something dumb like that. Can you get a ping pong ball into the little umbrella hole of a, of a patio table? Just, yeah. you know, dumb stuff.
0: Yes. So I had an experience like this on Sunday night before Sunday night football. I wasn't on my phone for like a half hour and I picked it up and one of my Snapchat group chats was just blowing up. It was two friends. Both were at the Packer game. One was in the press box because he works in TV and another was there for work. He's like a beverage distributor. So he was in the Miller Lite lounge and he was telling us all about like the accommodations and stuff. And the chat devolved into these two men signaling to each other across the bowl of Lambo with flashlights. On their phones, like they were vessels stranded at sea, and it was like five or six videos back and forth of like, "Hey, I found him," and I just see this light along the top of the bowl just blinking, and it was the funniest thing. And we were just smitten by this whole back and forth. And I'm like, "Okay, this is exactly the type of thing that Heifetz talks about on his pod. Guys are dumb.
5: We're just, we're just kind of weird, aren't we? We're very easily entertained. It's like give a guy a ball. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I get to,
0: <laughs> I can entertain yeah, myself has- for hours." oh my god oh my god but yeah from the press box to the he's in the press box danny he's in the press box really, he was
5: doing he was doing the flashlight thing in the press yes
0: box? so I, I would get a video from no, the guy in the press man. box of across the bowl and then the oh other guy would god. send a video of the press box and you can see the light shining was through this during the game it was before the game the press box looked relatively empty you know well i don't i never go to games but you know how the press box is very, like, old-fashioned. There's unwritten rules of what you can and can't do. Everything Note about cheering. old, yeah,
5: old, old, old mm. words, yeah. They're all old. Yeah, Many so
0: words. from the Miller Lite Lounge to the press box, just like like ships stranded in the dark, they were just signaling back oh, and forth. my God. I know. So I, I had to share that with you.
5: That's that how the part. Packers call their plays. One if by A.J. <laughs> Dillon, two if by Aaron Jones. Two if
0: by, yeah, light signals. Aaron Rodgers will audible out of it anyways. It doesn't even really matter how they call plays. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Heifetz, I appreciate the time. Uh, I know you're busy as hell and you're creating a lot of content, but I love your stuff and thanks for contributing to my show.
5: Thank you for having me, man. I love coming on. And I love your show, so appreciate it, Grant.
3: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Sports show, We thank Danny Heifetz for his time. He's in a million podcasts, writing a million different things all the time. Always love when we can get him just for 20 minutes here and there. Maybe once or twice a season. If you can't find him on Twitter for whatever reason, at Danny Heifetz, uh, go to my Twitter page, at Wisco Grant, which I'm sure you're following if you're listening. Yes, correct? Of course. You can go to my Twitter page. I tweeted his link about 30 minutes ago. So you can go follow his handle there, find his work. We appreciate his time. And if you're just joining me, you're just catching the last few minutes of the show. Maybe you're tuned in because you're like, who is this guy? I just, I'm here for the Bill Michaels Huddle, which starts in five minutes. Well, I don't blame you. The Bill Michaels Huddle is uh, just a thrilling two hours. I will be on, I think, with Bill at seven is the time, Mr. Ben Kenny told me, I think. At some point, I'm going to be on with Bill tonight. We're talking about the Bears win, but also Tampa Bay. I got a lot of thoughts on this Tampa Bay game. So I'm actually excited to chat with Bill coming up. Uh, also... For your listening uh, on your own time, on your own leisure. Tonight on the Wisco Sports Show podcast, there's gonna be a bonus interview at the end with our friend David Gasper, right? From Reviewing the Brew, who we talk to during the season every Tuesday. But then Mike Clemens comes on on Tuesday, so we had to move Gasper to Wednesday. But then the show was short today, and Heifetz, who I never get, could only do Wednesday. So poor Gasper. Anyways, I called him this morning around 11, because I was just bent out of shape about the Brewers today, and I wanted to talk about that with David. I never call him David. Talk about that with Gasper. <laughs> let's go cut go cut that out. I'll cut that part out of the podcast. that that sounded weird. I felt weird coming off my tongue. I talked with Gasper earlier today for like twenty five minutes, just a little bit of a season in review. everything that went wrong, not just from a roster standpoint, especially on the trade deadline, but just so many things that the Brewers' front office did poorly to market their team. It's not just that the Brewers are probably going to miss the playoffs and the roster and and the performance went in the tank in the second half. But people stopped caring about this team. No one's going to these games. No one's dialed in. And you can say it's because it's football season. But was that the case in 2018, in 2019, or last year when this team was awesome? Now, this year's team isn't as good. But what have we been telling ourselves for years? Just get in, right? Well, this team could get in. And no one cares. Because the Bruce front office, I think, turned us all off with their stupid $6 concession vouchers. And they're their hyping up of the Aaron Judge home run chase this weekend. And thank God we got an X-Golf simulator there now. I I just think we're over it. So David Gasper and I talked about the many missteps of the Brewers this year. And if you want to hear that, it'll be at the end of tonight's Wisco Sports Show podcast, which I will post in about two minutes when I walk to my other computer. Enjoy the Bill Michaels huddle. He's coming up next. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you at four. David Gasper is here reviewing the brew. The show is short tonight because of the Brewers, of course. Uh, but I wanted to talk to Gasper, and I wanted to talk about the Brewers. Gasper, hello, how are you? Good. Um, as
4: good as can be, I guess, but we're, we're hanging in there.
0: Here's my rant, and I could have gone on air after last night's game and done this at 11 o'clock. I, Taylor Rodgers blew the game. I'm not, I'm not even mad about that game. Last night just made it very clear to me how badly... This season was screwed up by everyone in the Brewers organization. It's not just, not just players, not, just, not even David Stearns. Rick Schlesinger, who is in charge of the business and the marketing. Matt Arnold, David Stearns. Every, everything was so badly bungled this year. Like, the way we came into this season, the circumstances around this team, you almost had to try to fuck it up. Like, it was a foolproof year and they managed to screw it up on every single level from top to bottom. And I just, I don't know why this is hitting me all at once, but I'm upset. I'm angry.
4: Yeah, I mean, remember back in spring training when uh, Mark Adnazio is sitting there in front of reporters, and he's like, yeah, David Stearns is telling me this is the probably the most talented roster he's ever had in his entire Brewers career. It's like, this is your most talented roster that you've had more talented than 2018, 2019, more talented than any of those teams and you miss the playoffs. Yes. I mean it's not official yet, but I mean uh, wow. we're watching the team and it's it's pretty much as as good as gone. Yes. You know, it's 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 so bad they've collapsed down the stretch and yeah, it, it's been horribly mismanaged and especially you could tell everything changed at the trade deadline. I mean, they came out the second half And they were on fire. They were doing well. They were ready to go. And it's like, okay, this team has finally hit its stride. It's going to be a great final two months. And then Hader gets traded. And you bring in Taylor Rogers. You bring in Matt Bush. You, I guess, bring in Trevor (laughs) Rosenthal. But he he hasn't thrown a damn pitch for you the entire time. He hasn't thrown a pitch in two years. Hasn't thrown a pitch in two years. You don't get any help for the offense because the prices were too high, but you're willing to pay a top 20 prospect for Trevor Rosenthal. And it's, and then they're like, oh, we were trying to get a bat. We tried to get a bat. And then they didn't call up a bat for three weeks, mm-hmm. four weeks, and, until they called up Garrett Mitchell. Why didn't you call up the Ruiz then? Why didn't you call up Bryce Tarang then? Why didn't you call up somebody? Then, you know you wanted offense, you didn't, and you let your entire clubhouse just go to shit. Yes. I mean, you you trade hater, you get nothing of consequence back. You get nothing of consequence in a different trade, and your first-place team that traded its closer... So your clubhouse is going to go to shit. They're like, "What? What's happening here?" Well, and who talked to McCalvey last week or the week
0: before? But oh no, it was um, it Burns. was Kurt. It was a Kurt bomb, which I love. I I need more Kurt bombs in my life. Our friend Kurt Hogue at the Journal Sentinel. I remember who it was. If it was, I think it was Williams who made a comment that I thought was brilliant because this is how I felt ever since the deadline. The roster is not. Incredible. It's not the Yankees, it's not the Dodgers. I don't think anyone's contending with that. But I thought, and I said for weeks leading up until the deadline, they can add anywhere. This is a great roster to build on. You could add a reliever, it'll help. You could add an infielder or an outfielder, it'll help. Great roster to add to, which I think it was Devin Williams who talked to Kurt Hogar. Do I have the wrong player? That's basically what they said. They said, Great roster to add to. Subtract-I don't know why we're subtracting from this roster. I mm-hmm. I, I want to speak out because I know we're in group chats with friends and we talk about these teams, and I, I know how some of these group chats are going, and I'm in a couple, where when I bring up the Brewers, oh, damn it, they lost again. You know, a couple of people are like, oh, you're still watching? That team sucks. It doesn't even matter. The hater trade, this team's bad. They were never going to make the playoffs. No, I I think we're letting the Brewers off the hook by saying that. And this is is my take. I boiled this down last night, and I I have this take finally kind of finalized. I think if the Brewers, at the deadline, trade for Matt Bush, or acquire a reliever, a high-level reliever, and a bat, this team makes the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to go on a run and make the World Series, but if you just add a reliever, bring him in, keep hater, and you add a bat. Doesn't have to be a good bat. Just Andrew Benintendi, just for shits and giggles, just to say, hey, we're trying, just fake it a little bit better. They make the playoffs. Brandon Jury. Brandon Jury. Just add somebody to show the players and everybody that we're trying. I think this roster is good. I think... So many of these guys have drastically underperformed this year. And I think if they just would have added a little help in the bullpen, a little help to the offense, I think the second half, a lot of these guys came around. I mean, look at what Adamas is doing in September. And Wong looks better. And Rowdy Telez. I know he's not as good as he was in April, but I think this team was just going to enjoy some positive regression. Guys who weren't having great seasons. No one is having a great season, as Council said. That swings the other way. If you just add a middle-of-the-road reliever, middle-of-the-road bat, this team makes the playoffs. And they tried to get cute. Which is just despicable for a team that's garbage. This team's been garbage for almost its entire career, and they get cute in one of the few chances they've ever had to contend. It's just, it's just terrible, David Gasper.
4: Yeah, all in the name of getting more bites at the apple oh, in the sure. future that you, you don't even know if they're going to come. I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, like one, once you pull the trigger on that hater trade. Like I, I'm sure they had some grand master plan of other big trades that they wanted to do after the Hater trade. They got they got that domino gone, and then yeah, they wanted to pull the trigger on a bunch of other stuff, but they didn't. And, and they once need, you need pull the to pull trigger you need on to. Hater.
0: You need you need
4: have to follow through. Yes. yes. And they yes. backed out, and now they ended up looking like complete morons. the The Rockies looked like a more competent organization than them. They DFA'd to Nelson LeMet. The Rockies picked him up. He's got a sub-3 ERA with the Rockies. The Rockies! They're the most incompetent organization over the past two decades mm-hmm. that we've ever seen. They gave away Nolan Arenado for a bag of balls. Right
0: Just gave him away.
4: Not even a bag of balls. They got nothing for him. Absolutely. They, they might have nothing. given... They might the exact same that they got out of Trevor freaking Rosenthal. They, they might have said the
0: bag of balls with Arenado because they paid a bunch of his salary mm. on his way out the door. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's... So, it's so bad. So we've talked about the baseball stuff and where it's gone wrong and I, they've underperformed. But that's what's great about baseball is the season is so long that if you have a good roster at some point, it's going to come around because the sample size is just too large. And I think we were starting to see that in the second half. And then the deadline just threw it all out of whack. And it, this team just can't get itself off the mat. The baseball side is bad. Here's what I've been thinking about the last week. This Brewers front office and their marketing team and the way they've packaged this team and sold it to us this year, it's almost insulting. And no one's going to the games. No one's going to this team. David Gasper, this team that has never won shit ever. They made a World Series in the early 80s, and that's it, basically. A team that's never done anything is in a playoff race. They're within a couple games of a playoff spot. No one cares. That ballpark should be packed and electric. We should be scoreboard watching. No one is. No one is. Because the way that this team has been packaged and sold to us, they're like, hey, we're adding X-Golf. Here's a $6 concession voucher, you poor fat pieces of shit. Like, they're just so yeah. demeaning to us, and we're over it. They're, they're saying, hey, come out for the Yankees series. Maybe Judge will hit 60. Never mind our own team that's in the midst of a playoff race. It's just, it's not just the baseball side. It's just the whole way that this season has been packaged and presented has been an absolute abject failure.
4: Yeah, it's been it's been really tough, especially that 100 million dollar fan giant thank you gift that they hyped up so much. Oh, my no, God. no matter how much you, you you no matter what your gift is, when you hype it up that much, it is going to be a disappointment.
0: They shouldn't no, no They shouldn't what have what promoted any part of that. They never should have brought no. it up. They just should have dropped that and said, hey, 100 million fans, this is cool here are cheap tickets and some concession vouchers. We said, oh, it's kind of nice. But no, they hyped yeah. it up like they were giving away the, the Toyota Tundra that sits in right center field.
4: Yeah. To, you know, to 10,000 people who show up at a game, like they, it was given away to, to all these people. What if you already had tickets to that, to those games? You know, what, like, like, what if, what if you don't want that? What what if there's some other giveaway? What if there's something else? What if you can't make them Monday through Thursday? It's, it's insane how they've gone about this. And yeah, you know, you take out the restaurant, you put in X golf and like, okay, that, that's cool. You got something else around now they're going to be doing something with the restaurant to be named later. But it's just like, you build this as, as such a, as such a good team. And, you know, like I was saying earlier with this is the most talented team they've ever had. And, you know, everyone's like, okay, you know, they got a fifth straight postseason coming up, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, whatever else is going to be a really, really good team. And then they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. They, they pulled a Plaxico Burris. So they shot themselves in the leg. Like, it, it's insane how they the, a first-place team does this, and you're in a September, and you're close, and nobody cares. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's on football. This team is on the, the downward trend. Everyone knows it. Everyone can see it. Yeah. And sure, they may watch, you know, during the week here because the Packers only play on, on Sundays. But, you know, during the like on the weekends, no one's going to care. Oh. And during the week, you know, you got school or whatever else going on. And, you know, the attendance for the past few days for, for the Met series has been terrible. Yeah. You know, you just see the shots of the crowd. Nobody's there. Attendance is down for the Brewers if, this year. If this
0: season and was happening in 2007, the ballpark would be full. It'd be full. Yeah. They'd be packing 35,000 in there on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night.
4: The expectations have changed. You know, I mean, 2007, I mean, you were still in that, you know, 25 year playoff drought. So any sort of competitive baseball uh, would be great. I mean, the Brewers are are on track here to be eliminated uh, from from postseason contention. The earliest that they have been since 2016. I mean, 2017, they were they were in the race right up until, you know, that last day or that second to last day when they got eliminated. And, you know, they've been in it the past couple of years. And, you know, now this team's on downward trend and they're trying to say, oh, this is, you know, staying competitive and bites at the apple. And, you know, now we're seeing uh, Jim Bowden or whatever from, from the athletic saying, yeah, maybe they should trade Corbin Burns this offseason. And, 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 you know, now you're seeing that. And, you know, when, you know, Willie Adamas, you know, are they going to extend him? You know, I saw something from Fangrass today. He might get $150 million in extension. Are the brewers going to pay Willie Adams flat? I don't know. The Brewers
0: are probably pissed that Willie Adamas, who, by the way, Willie Adamas for long stretches of this year was home runs and strikeouts. And it frustrated me. He's having a fantastic yeah. September. He's spraying the ball everywhere. He's hitting doubles. He's hitting singles. I love watching He's hitting him right over now. 310. Yes. He, it's been it's been a joy to watch him, and it the Brewers are probably upset about it. The Brewers upstairs in the front office are probably thinking, well, we're not going to make the playoffs anyways, but now this guy's going to have a great final month to the season. We're going to have to pay him more. They're probably upset about it, and I'm kind of hyperbolizing a little bit and assuming things on them that's probably not true, but also, it, you know what? It is true. That probably is what they're thinking. They're probably pissed that Willie Adamas is having this great final month that's ultimately not going to yeah, mean because, anything because it's going to cost them.
4: Because they know that they should pay Willie Adamas and Corbin Burns, but they know that they that they can't or that Mark isn't willing to, to pay these guys and that they're going to have to probably let them go or trade them. And that's going to be even more unpopular than, than the hater deal was because it's just compounding on top of the hater deal. And it's just going to make things so much worse. You know, even if they do make a good baseball trade and they get good value back or whatever it is, even if they do, it's still going to look horrible. No matter what happens, the optics are going to be bad because it's it's just more good players. And when it becomes time to pay them, you ship them off for someone else. And the, the guys who do stick around in that clubhouse are going to be wondering what the hell is going on. And that you don't actually care about getting them a World Series and getting them to where they need to be. Aaron Rodgers once said it's about the people.
0: The people are the Whatever he said, I don't know, the bricks of the foundation, whatever, I don't remember. But Aaron Rodgers is like, hey, the team is made up of people. The players are people. The Brewers' strategy of bites at the apple actually isn't a horrendous one for a team in a market the size of Milwaukee, all right? Right. It's it's actually somewhat logical. But you can't brazenly, bold-faced admit it to your fans and to your players. Right, you can't trade away a corner cornerstone of your franchise and say, "Well, we're trying to get bites of the apple." The play players get it, right, guy? You guys get it? Like, no, dress it up a little bit, like pretend, like fake it. I, I don't know. That that's what's so worse to me is when they traded Hater. The marketing of this team needed to go into overdrive. I'm saying you can't promote X Golf, right? Because your fans are pissed. Yeah. Six dollar concession vouchers, make it ten. You, like, you need to go into overdrive, putting a positive spin on everything, and they went backwards. They're like, well, we traded hater. This season's probably in the tank, guys. Uh, but look at all this other stuff that we can tweet about and talk about. Next
4: year, you know, 2024, 2025, those years are going to be so much better. Like, that's that's a rebuild marketing thing. That that's a pirates marketing thing. That's that that's a Rockies, that's some other bad team, bad organization. You know, you have an ace and Corbin Burns who should be thinking about an extension, Mm -hmm. and he's not getting any calls from the Brewers about an extension. And he's wondering if he's the next to be traded. Aces like Corbin Burns, who just won a Cy Young, should not have to worry about being traded on a, quote, playoff contender. You know, he should, be, he should be thinking about an extension, sticking around for the long term, and he's worried about getting traded. Only players on bad teams like that worry about getting traded. And I worry the Brewers are slipping into that, that realm right now just, just because how they've gone about this. And it's just been so tough to watch. I mean, the, the, they died on August 2nd when that trade deadline yeah. came and went and they didn't do anything. And we felt and, it. And Hater was gone. We all and felt it's it. Been, the, this funeral has been going on longer than the Queen of England. Nice, like, nice. <laughs> like, that's how long it's been. We, we've been watching this funeral for for six weeks, for for two months now almost. They're parading the casket all over
0: the city of Milwaukee. Well, and it's frustrating. And what's, what's funny and. Look, I don't like being right about some things, and you're probably the same way, but on deadline day, we talked, Gasper, and I know all Brewers fans did, and I remember being on Twitter, and we said, this is going to not go over well in the clubhouse, this is going to be, and we were right about everything. Everything on deadline day that we thought might happen, did happen, and it happened in some instances, like, even more obvious than we thought. Devin Williams straight up came out and said it, like Adam McAlvey. I'm sure Atanasio and Stearns wanted to send people into the locker room. It's like, keep these guys away from Adam Mccalvey Do not let anyone talk to McCalvey about anything. Cause they're going to keep, keep giving them quotes about how the moves we made completely tanked this team.
4: Yeah. And then Lorenzo Kane comes out and he oh, talks God. to McKelvey. I and forgot he, and, about that
0: one. I, I, yeah, that and, one and, is, and then
4: you have all those comments and they can't control Kane because they let him go. And, and Kane's been pissed about, you know, the, the management of this team for the past couple of years. And now we're and, learning about you know, that. Yeah, his comments about how they've run things. Eric Lauer a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, the, the trade deadline stuff, like that sends a message for the clubhouse. And the front office's message came down loud and clear to these guys. And you can tell it, it was not a good message sent, sent by the front office. So you've got multiple players now calling out the front office, which you don't see Hater with did. this franchise very often at all. Hater did too. And it, what?
0: Hater did too. He got to San Diego and that night it's like, well, this team's yeah. not just trying to win. They're trying well, to win. Hader got traded,
4: so that, that makes a little bit you know, more sense, you know, cause Hater got moved, but true. this is true. Yeah. Is true. It's but but when you're still on the team, like Lauer or when you're Corbin Burns, and you're still on the team trying to get an extension and they're not talking to you. That's, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Uh. Like like that's a sign of much bigger problems than just Hater having been traded and, you know, making making some comments about his old team.
0: That and I'm pretty sure I've I've heard murmurs and rumors. I don't want it to be true, but I have heard murmurs and rumors that perhaps uh, the the famous Clements racing sausages have been they've been on the take and they've been they've been throwing races for the sake of winning bets. And if that's going on, there's no integrity left in any portion of this we all saw how much Teresa won by the other night. I'll ask the questions. I I have to. I have, oh, to, yeah. wonder. I have to wonder what's going on. Uh, Gasper, one fun thing before we're done, and I appreciate this again, because I, I just like talk brews with you once a week, and I'm just pissed about this team. This season was, you had to work hard to mess it up, and they worked hard to mess it up. I think they might actually be trolling us. Um, We watched. Yeah.
4: They, they needed to call up one of their prospects yeah. right after the trade deadline. They needed to do you something. Had to, you had to call up somebody to get, Either the team excited or the players excited or both. They didn't call either. up Ruiz right away. Mm-hmm. Call up Bryce Terang right away. Twenty sixteen, they traded away Jonathan Luper. They called up Orlando Arcia right after. Goat. Oh god, I miss Orlando.
0: Just get Orlando Arcia back.
4: That would because they needed Do something it. because they knew that team was bad and that they were they were selling off. They were rebuilding. So okay, we just traded away our star player. Let's call up our number one overall prospect in Orlando Arcia and get him going.
0: I hear you. We're talking with David Gasper, reviewing the brew. So last night, Giancarlo Stanton hit a walk-off Grand Slam for the Yankees. And I tweeted earlier today at Wisco Grant that the Brewers are probably upset that that didn't happen at American Family Field over the weekend because they could have, you know, marketed that or, you know, come see super slugger Giancarlo Stanton, you know, lest we forget about our own team that's in the midst of a playoff race. So I was thinking about Giancarlo Stanton and I had a flashback to that fateful night at Miller Park years and years and years ago. I believe it was in 2014 when Mike Fires smoked I believe he was Giancarlo Stanton he was newly renamed Giancarlo Stanton at the time yeah. smoked him in the face which was just a horrid scene And then I think he hit another guy a couple of pitches later and then there was a brawl yeah. and I and I was thinking about this memory and I was watching it with my dad and everything that was going on and I I thought you know seeing I'm talking to Gasper today sometimes we talk about a random brewer I was wondering if there was a, a random brewer memory that you have It doesn't even have to be a consequential game that you think about from time to time and for whatever reason you remember where you were, you remember who you were with or just just something random because I I really like our Brewers conversations because we are Brewers degenerates creating content for other Brewers degenerates. So I was wondering is there a night from 2016 that you'll never forget because of this Brewers memory and this is what you were doing or anything like that. So that was my challenge is a Brewers memory.
4: Um... Not from like a from like an inconsequential thing or anything uh, like that. I mean, you don't remember terrible
0: games that don't mean anything. What's wrong with you? Why How are you even a Brewer yeah. fan?
4: I remember watching. Uh, uh, what was his name? Ramon Flores go yeah. golden sombrero. And I'm just like, what in the hell are we doing? It uh, was like 2016. They're trying out Ramon Flores out there in, in right field. And I'm just watching. Like as I'm going through that season, going each game, just watching his batting average tumble yeah. from like two twenty down to two ten to two hundred to one ninety. So I'm just like just further and further yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, like like the Brewers we're, playoff we're running chances. Running guys sir. like that out there.
0: I remember you you mentioned Flores. One era that I remember, and it's a couple of random names. For whatever reason, this summer in particular, I was obviously living, I was younger. I was living at my, my parents' house still, obviously. I was probably in middle school, maybe early high school. And I would go down into my parents' dock who live on a lake and I would fish. And I remember very well listening to the games and just being smitten with the outfield era that included Jody Garrett and Frank Catalanato. I don't know yeah, what era that uh, was or what time period that was, but I always look back on that time period fondly. Those guys suck. Yeah. Although Jody Garrett did hit for a cycle, which I'm pretty sure we've talked about probably more than once in a mid conversation. You're like, yeah. yeah, we've covered that before. I do very much I- enjoy that era.
4: I remember way back when, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, this was probably like 2002, 2003 when they were like really bad. And, you know, we, we'd have like, you know, before school and whatnot, you know, the newspaper would be there and you know, just kind of like go through and, you know, like, obviously I'm going right to the sports section. You know, you see the, you see the scores in there. And and I remember one time it was like Cardinals, 12 brewers two.
0: Nice. And I just, I just
4: looked up at my dad and I'm just like, dad, why do the Brewers suck? Oh,
0: boy. So you had the birds and the bees conversation. That's that's maybe the most <laughs> uncomfortable conversation that a Wisconsin father has to have with his son. It's yeah, not the where the babies come 10. from. It's
4: just like, I remember the past few days, like, oh, hey, we lost then, too. I'm just like, why are we always losing? Why, why do we suck?
0: I've never been a, a parent, uh, not yet, but I dread the day where my possible son asks me that. If he asks me where babies come from, that's fine. I'm, I'm ready. But having the Brewers conversation with him is going to be tough. That's going to be an uncomfortable uh,
4: well, one. Why does the brewer suck, Dad? Why is Why is Aaron Rodgers doing ayahuasca? What's ayahuasca? <laughs> ayahuasca?
0: Well, it's not a drug. It's a plant. It's all natural. People uh, yes. It. Oh, my God. Well, Gasper, I needed this today. I appreciate you. Um. At some point, this brewer season is essentially toast. But at some point, I hope there is some big brewer story in the coming weeks or months, and will give us a reason to be excited and to chat Brewers again for good or for bad. Like I was excited today. Hopefully, it's a
4: Corbin Burns extension, but you know, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath for that.
0: I feel like just to just something to chew on until the next time we talk. I feel like they extend Woodruff and not Burns. Yeah, Woodruff probably. seems just like a Brewers light. It seems like he would get a Ryan Braun, Christian Yelich type contract. He
4: just he He'd seems be a cheaper contract than Burns. Well yeah burns is probably yeah burns is pushing minimum thirty five billion a year, probably closer to forty. Woodruff probably not as much, yeah. which makes him more affordable, but
0: also maybe that's how I'm justifying it in my mind. He seems like he's been on the Brewers literally my entire life, and he you know he's integral to that two thousand and eighteen run, although burns was too in the playoffs, but yeah, we'll have to talk some extensions and what comes next, but I, I suppose we buried the Brewers two weeks ago, but now we're just digging up the body just to kick it around because I'm pissed off and <laughs> I'm glad we got to to do that today. Yeah, thank you for the time, David Gasper. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot, man.
4: Take care.